Amen. Did you see Charles nervously looking around? Is there a preacher tonight? Uh, uh, yeah. Well, good evening. Glad to be here. And uh, unfortunately, I'm up here because Pastor and his whole family are sick. Uh, quite sick, actually. They got sick yesterday and it's continued on today. So he's pretty crook. So if you can please pray for them, pray for Pastor. But the whole family, I believe, is unwell at this stage. So we'll pray for them at the end. Um, but yeah, so that's why you have me tonight. Um, I have the Bible that I don't really like to use and the tie that I don't even own. Um, hopefully the message is good. So no, I, um, I have something very simple for you tonight because obviously it was a little bit of a last minute thing. So, um, But I pray that we can learn some things or just be encouraged a little bit with what we look at. So if you'll turn to First John uh, with me, that'd be great. First John, not John 1, but... First John, after Second Peter, uh, we'll have a look at some things here. Um, as you're turning there, uh, I guess we all would agree that there's some things in our life uh, that we can be sure of, some outcomes that we can be sure of. So, you know, if I if I if I had a ball up here in my hand and I dropped it, then I'm pretty sure, I'm 100% sure actually that it's going to fall on the ground. Uh, we're not out in in space where gravity is a little bit different out there. So there's some things that are sure that we can be uh, certain of in our lives, but there's some things that we can be uncertain of. Um, and I'm talking just general things, you know. We, we can be uncertain of how long the rain's going to last when it starts. Uh, we can be uncertain of whether there's going to be seconds and thirds for dinner on a Wednesday night or something like that, like depending on how much we pile up on our plates. There's things we can be uncertain of, but I guess even in the Christian life, uh, the thing that I've noticed, and probably a little bit more to do with young people, the thing that I've noticed is that a lot of young people that are Christians that have committed their lives to the Lord can end up being uncertain of whether they're still saved or not, uh, whether they have that assurance of salvation. It's, it's not quite there sometimes. Um, and not just, it's not just secluded to young people. Uh, adults of all ages can come across that. So I guess tonight, really, I just wanted to go through... Uh, some different verses and things that whether yourself you're questioning your your salvation, the assurance of your salvation, or you want to be able to encourage somebody else that you come across at one stage and like I'm not sure if I'm too if I'm saved or not. I know I I know I did commit my life to the Lord, but kind of don't feel like it right now. So I guess I just wanted to go through a few things that you could take somebody else through if they're facing that as well. So I pray this is going to be a little bit of a help to us. Um, yeah. We'll take it as it is, take it of the Lord, so we'll, we'll get stuck into it. So I guess first and foremost, the thing that I often say to people when they say, I'm not sure whether I'm saved or uh, I don't feel saved, is I would say this, that no matter what you believe, you can never escape the element of faith. You can never separate that from salvation or anything to do with God, really. You can never separate, you can never let go of that element of faith. You always have to have that. Uh, whether it's, a, whether it's a, a false religion, a false doctrine, whether it's some other theory of evolution or Christianity, it doesn't matter what it is, you always have to have an element of faith. So if I said, if I said to you that I believe in evolution and Big Bang and all that kind of stuff, great. You still have to have the element of faith because why? No one was there when that thing happened. Just the same as no one was there when creation happened. So I guess I always start out with that, is that you can never separate this issue of assurance of salvation from the element of having faith. And that's a really important thing, and I guess we'll, we'll have a little 
further look at that as we go along. Uh, but so these are some questions that you can ask some people is, you know, and obviously I'm talking tonight about people who have said, yes, I have committed my life to the Lord, not somebody who is not saved. I'm talking about saved people who are questioning whether that God can keep them saved uh, is what we're talking about. So some questions you can ask is, how do you know that God created everything? Well, you have to believe it from his word, don't you? That's the element of faith right there. Because none of us, it doesn't matter how old you are as a Christian, you weren't there at creation. So you got that from the Bible itself. That was written by men of God thousands of years ago. And some of those people weren't even at creation. Well, they all weren't at creation. So you see what I'm saying is you, you can't escape that element of faith. So first and foremost, we have to point them to the fact that everything they know about Christianity and God is going to come from here. It's not going to come from how you feel, experiences. It's going to come from the Word of God. And that's really important to to start at that level because everything else builds from that, from the truth of the Word of God. So how did you know that God created everything? How did you know that Christ died for your sins? So you're talking to somebody who's saved. Well, how do you know that you actually had sins in the first place? It came from the Word of God. You have to have faith to believe that you had sins in the first place okay so that's kind of where we go with that so if you have a look at 1 John uh, 1 verse 9 very familiar passage very familiar verse Uh, it says this if we confess our sins they'll stop you right there just in those first five verses I guess I'll ask you who agrees that we have a sin nature when we're born who agrees that we have that okay so like I said why do you agree with that how do you know that Because it's written here. So someone else might have told you, hey, you were born with a sin nature and you needed Jesus Christ to save you. But you trace all of that back. That came from the word of God. You only know you have a sin nature because it's written in the word of God. So you've exercised faith already just in those first five verses of saying, if we confess our sins, you've already exercised faith if you believe that part, that you have sins. So then you go to the next part, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So how can you be sure that God will forgive your sins? Well, it takes the same faith to believe that God can forgive your sins when you ask him to as it does to say, I have faith that I had sins or have sins in my life in the first place. It's not a different kind of faith. So you have to exercise faith to say, I have sins because, well, it's written here by God. That takes faith. But then it takes the same faith to look at the next part of the verse that says he's faithful and just to forgive them when you ask him to. So all you're trying to do with someone is say, hey, look, if you've already exercised faith to say that you have sins in the first place, that's the same faith that it takes to know that when you ask forgiveness for that, that he's done that, that he's taken it away. You don't have to exercise some extra faith or some different kind of faith. So really just trying to get people's mindset of it just takes the faith in the word of God to know that I am saved. That's really what it boils down to. It's, it's actually quite simple, but I guess different uh, indoctrination, uh, even our heart deceiving us are things that can kind of get in the way of this quite simple thing of salvation. Uh, many people can be a lot confused by it because of what they've been brought up with or you know, misinterpreting verses and that. But really it comes down to believing what the word of God says.
So 1 John 1, 9 is a, is a really great verse to say that. Now, I've had some people, and obviously particularly young people, say, wouldn't it be great if when you got saved that God just gave you some kind of a sign, you know, like a, a blinking light on your wrist or, you know, just something embedded underneath your skin that it just blinks and just, that's your confirmation that you got saved by God. And I'd be like, yeah, that would be great. But you know what? At some stage, even if we had that, at some stage we would doubt even that. We think, oh, yeah, you know, it's something that you can see visibly with your eyes, like sight. At some stage, your mind, your heart, someone else is going to cause you to doubt that that thing means that you're saved. It's just going to happen. I don't know how, but it just will, because that's, just, that's what happens when you live by, live by sight. Okay, And we're not called to be living by sight. We're called to be living by faith. So God doesn't do it for that reason, that he wants us to have faith in what he said, not in some, some other thing, okay? So that goes a little bit along the lines of, you know, not just going with feelings in different things. It's everything coming back to what the word of God says. So you have to rely on God's word. You can't have assurance of salvation apart from relying on God's word. So if somebody wants, if you want to assure someone, comfort someone that they are saved, that they've gone through what the Bible says and they've, they've given their life to the Lord and you want to give them assurance of salvation, you can't really have that conversation without using the word of God. Because you, you can say, oh, look, you, you know, you've been serving the Lord in the church and you've been doing this and doing that. That's great, but some of those things could be good works. Some of those things, you know... We have to come back to what God says about it all, okay? So we have to come back to faith, not just by sight. So here's some things that I often say to people, and I really try and bring it back to God's characteristics or God's attributes, because understanding God, understanding what he said about salvation is really the crux of it all, okay? So I'll often say this. Remember that Titus 1-2, that God cannot lie. And that's pretty important. Say amen if you believe that God cannot lie. So if we have his word and we know that in his word is no truth, then we can take what he says as truth. Okay? So we can take 1 John 1, 9 as truth because we've exercised faith. It's truth. Therefore, it is. There's no, there's no confusion in that, but we just end up confusing it. So God cannot lie. And Titus 1, 2 says, In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promise before the world began. And if God could lie, well, he wouldn't be God. So when he says he'll forgive your sin, he's telling the truth. So 1 John 1, 9, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Well, he's not lying about that. He's not, he's not just saying something so we, we think it's true and then he pulls the wool over our eyes later on. He doesn't do that. That's not the kind of God that he is. He is a God of truth. So he says in 1 John 5.12, He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. And really, this is why the King James Bible is also great, because of the tenses in some of these words. He that hath, so you have it, he that hath the Son hath life. So you already have it. It's not you will get it, or you are becoming to get it. You already have it. So You can say to someone, if you have asked Christ to save you and from your heart you believe that you've asked him to forgive you of your sins, this says that God is not a liar 
and that when you have his son, that you now have life. And it's not talking about just physical life on earth. It's talking about spiritual. It's talking about eternal life. It's talking about your salvation. So you can put those things together and say, look, God's not a liar. And he says that when you have asked forgiveness of your sins, that he's done that. And that when you've done that, you now have life, eternal life. So there's no confusion in that. That's just straight truth from the word of God. So you can say God's not a liar. You can say this, that God doesn't also, it goes a little bit like God's not a liar, but God doesn't promise what he doesn't deliver, what he won't deliver. You know, I know I have promised some people some things and not gone through with it. So that can make them not really want to trust me in some areas or for some things later on the track. And I can see some of you like smirking like, yeah, I've done that before. Um, or he's done that to me before. <laughs> that's, that's a pretty bad testimony. Right, um, but I've done that before. Like, yeah, even to my kids, it's just, it's too easy to do. Yeah, 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 we'll, we'll do that like next weekend. Like, we'll go to that park or we'll, we'll do that thing next weekend. You know, next weekend rocks around. Oh, yeah, we'll do that. I said next weekend, you know. <laughs> we kind of do that. So, but God is not like that. He doesn't promise us things and then later on go, oh, no, I don't really feel like it anymore. Or, oh, no, you, you were too bad. He doesn't do that. So Philippians 1 verse 6, and you don't have to turn there, it says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So he's started a work. He, he, he saved you. He's going to continue to work with you. He's going to continue to perform that. He's going to bring about the end of that. He's going to bring about your, your sal- the, the full salvation that you receive in heaven. He's going to bring all these things to pass. Uh, so don't think of God as the friend that you know, promises everything and delivers nothing. Uh, don't think of him even as the friend that promises most times and then sometimes doesn't deliver. He's, he's not like that at all. All of God's promises or prophecies that have been fulfilled have been fulfilled 100% to the letter. He hasn't ever left anything out when he's fulfilled the prophecy. So, so what does that mean with, to do with assurance of salvation? Well, if you look back at everything God has promised and he has fulfilled all of those things 100% to the letter... Well, does that not give us confidence that the things that he's promised that we haven't seen the end of will be fulfilled 100% to the letter? It certainly does. I know it does for me. And that's, that's the beauty of God showing us these things in the Bible where these things have been fulfilled. It's like, oh, wow, like, he, he is faithful, he is true, and he's also promised these things, and that can give me confidence in the, the things that I have not yet seen that he has promised. And I know he's not a liar, you put all these things together and then it adds up. It's like, oh, that, that gives me confidence that I'm trusting in this and not just how I feel right now about, it, about being a Christian. Okay. So I hope this is helping a little bit. Um, so, yeah, his, his, his fulfilled promises give us confidence in other promises that he's, he has for us in the Bible. Here's another thing I'll often say to people is that you can't get unsaved or you can't lose your salvation even if you tried. And a lot of people will be like, huh? You're telling me that if I don't want God anymore, that I can't have that. Yeah, that's right. Because God knows that your heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. So he knows that if you, if you get to that point that you would do something completely stupid and get rid of your salvation. So he's not put it upon you to keep your salvation. 
So we can't even get ourselves unsaved. No one else can get ourselves unsaved. So John 10, verse 27 to 30, and I'm just, we're not going to these places because I'm just giving you a whole bunch. If you want to write them down, you can. But he says, this is Jesus. He says, it's my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Any man. Any, 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 any man. Not just that bad man and that bad man. Any man. Me, man. I'm a man. I can't pluck myself out of God's hand. That's what he's saying there. There's no restrictions on that. It's any person ever cannot take you out of God's hand. No matter how bad you are, no matter how bad you feel, no matter how bad someone else makes you feel, no matter how much someone tells you that you can get plucked out of his hand, no one can take you out of his hand. All, all I try and do with these kind of things is just build confidence in God's word and God's character. Because I can try and comfort somebody with, oh, yeah, I think you're saved, I think you're doing really well. That might go this far. But putting them in contact with God's word that can be trusted, man, that gives confidence. That gives assurance. So no man can pluck you out of God's hand, not even yourself. Uh, if you just turn to a, a passage with me, Romans chapter 8. I just want to have a look at something here. Romans chapter 8. And I've said this to some people before, that your salvation is like a sandwich. And I know you've just eaten, so you're probably not hungry. That's all good. But your salvation, I kind of liken it to a sandwich um, and you'll see what I mean in a second. So Romans chapter 8, uh, we'll have a look here. I'll read from verse 33 down to verse 39. So a few verses here. Romans chapter 8, verse 33 to 39. It says this. It says, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long, we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded... That's like assured that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Well, that's a great passage, isn't it? That, that builds a little bit of assurance in, in what God's able to do and keep us from. But the reason I say that our salvation is like a sandwich is because in this passage here, you've got three things that are, are really important for this idea of assurance of salvation. And the first one is being justified. It says that it is God that justifies. So that's like the bottom part of your, your sandwich, okay? So God's the one who has justified you. God's the one who's made it so that it, it looks like you have never done anything wrong. We didn't get there ourselves. We didn't do that by our own merit. He's the one that justified us. But then you'll notice a little bit further down, it says that Christ maketh intercession for us. So it's like he's constantly 
got our back. He's constantly showing his blood before the Father. Like His blood is on us as Christians and that's Christ also making intercession for us. Like, hey, I paid for that person. So you've got God justified you, Christ making intercession for you. And then the third part is that it mentions two times there that who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And then it says nothing really, all these other things shall be able to separate us from the love of Christ. So justification, intercession by Jesus Christ, and there's no separation with the love of God. That's like, a, that's like a pretty hearty, secure sandwich of salvation. And he's talking about Christians. He's saying, all of these things combined, I've got you. You are in my hand. You are secure in me. It's not, it's not down to you. God's the one who's justified you. God, Jesus Christ's blood is the one that speaks on your behalf. And there's no thing, no person, not even yourself, that can separate you from the love of Christ. And we haven't even got to, to it to some other things that... He says about it, but isn't that a bit comforting? If you're sitting there worried and you read that passage like, far out, nothing shall be able to separate me from the love of Christ. Nothing. So all the things that probably cause us to doubt our salvation or cause a person to doubt their salvation are really in that passage right there. You know, death, life, angels, principalities, powers, peril, sword, nakedness, famine, persecution... Those are probably all the things that when they assault you, you start thinking or someone starts thinking, am I actually saved? Like you might get a little bit down, discouraged or things just aren't going right and you can start thinking because all these things are compounding. Well, those are the very things that God says, hey, they're nothing compared to the the security of salvation that I've given you. Okay, so you can comfort people with these things. Now, I've felt it. And I know a lot of young people also feel it. And I mean, not just teenager young people, I'm, I'm talking primary school age young people, have come and said, but I, I know some of these things, but I just don't feel saved. I just don't feel it. Like, so, so what am I supposed to do? Like, sometimes your feelings are just going to overtake anything that you've been taught about God, anything you've been taught about the Bible. So they say, oh, you know, I don't feel saved. And I, and I say, assurance isn't about feeling saved or even being the best Christian. It's got nothing to do with that. Nothing to do with that at all. Because if we're just going to go on our feelings, then we're going to get way off track with a whole bunch of stuff. That's why we've got to come back to the word of God, which is the word of truth. So we can't just go off experience and feelings. Um, we have. It's got nothing to do with with what God has said if we just go by, by feelings and experiences. Now, not long ago, last year sometime, we had a, a blocked drain in our kitchen and it was, I think the guy said it ended up being just, you know, pouring fat and different things down there and, you know, not clearing it out properly and all that kind of stuff. But it started, it getting, <laughs> it started to get to the point where, and you can tell I'm not a handyman because it got this far, um, that you'd, you'd pour water down there, you know, be rinsing something off, and it wouldn't, it'd take two seconds for it to come back up, and it just stunk, absolutely stunk. You know, there's all muck and stuff coming up. And so it'd come up, and then it'd take, like, you know, a couple of minutes to, like, go back down. And it got to the point where it's like, you just don't even want to get into the kitchen because it stinks so bad. So I had this like, like you know plunger and I'm like trying to and Dave's laughing at me. <laughs> I had this plunger. I'm trying to like do this. I'm like this isn't working. What's the go? 
Anyway, so the guy came round and he got, went out the back and, you know, there's a grease trap or something like that, I don't know. He's, like, cleared it all out and then it just cleared through and then the stink kind of went away and then, you know, we had nice flowing water in that sink again. Sometimes that's what people are going through in their spiritual life. It's not that they're not connected, like that pipe is not connected. It's just that there's blockages. It's just that there's things that have probably gotten in the way and made them feel like they're not saved, that they're not as close to God anymore. Or it made them feel like God doesn't care or he's not there anymore. But it's just a whole lot of blockages. Which It, it could be sin. It could be just your heart deceiving you. It could be just people getting you down. All that stuff builds up and there's not a nice flow there. There's not a nice relationship. There's not a closeness there with the Lord. So that's what people can be feeling when they get to this point of, I just don't feel saved. Well, sometimes you have to ask, is there some things that maybe are blocking your fellowship with the Lord? Have you got a, a, a good prayer life with the Lord? Are there some sins that maybe you haven't confessed or something like that? Is there a relationship that you need to, to get right? Some of these things can be that, that stinky blockage that make us go, oh, I don't feel like I'm saved. So confessing some things and just asking those questions um, really can pinpoint some of these thoughts and problems. Um, psalm 51 familiar psalm with David and he's confessing things and he's, he's pouring his heart out to the Lord. And in verse 12 he says, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. See, David wasn't saying, Restore unto me my salvation. Like, oh, that pipe is, is completely separated. He wasn't saying that. He's just saying, no, there's, there's some blockages. My fault. David's saying, my fault. There's blockages there. But please, restore to me the joy of my salvation or of thy salvation. And sometimes that's what's needed, is just restoring that joy. And that comes through a closer fellowship, which, which can come through clearing out some stuff that maybe shouldn't be there. So that's another, another aspect, another way to approach some people who are, you know, have this thought of, am I saved and feeling this way? Um, I'll get you to turn to one more verse and, and then we'll be done. So uh, Ephesians chapter 1, we'll go to there. Ephesians chapter 1. And these are two verses, both in Ephesians. Um, one of these is my favourite, one of my favourite verses in the Bible. But Ephesians 1, uh, verse number 13 and 14. Uh, verse number 12, it says, That we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted, so talking to, to Christians, after that ye heard the word of truth, well, there's God's word giving truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Well, after that you believed, so when you got saved, when you confessed and you became a Christian, that only has to happen once. That doesn't have to keep happening. After that you believed, it says, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. So saying, you are, you are completely sealed, that, that you're not going anywhere. God's got you in his hand. He's given you the Holy Spirit 
And that's a down payment, that's an earnest, a down payment for your full salvation that you receive one day. And it, have a look over, just flick over to Ephesians 4, verse number 30. It gives, gives some things about the old life and the new here, but verse number 30, it gives us instruction. It says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. So that sealing is really important. That No one can break that seal. God's the only one who has control over that seal. There's some seals that we can break, you know, like your, your milk carton seals and stuff like that, but no one else is breaking that seal. And notice how in first verse, uh, Ephesians 4.30 there it says, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. You know what it doesn't say? Whereby ye are sealed unto when you don't feel like you're sealed anymore. Or ye are sealed unto when you sin too much and you lose your salvation. It doesn't say that. It says unto the day of redemption, when God redeems us, when, when we receive our full salvation. Okay, so that's a, that's a security, that's a, that's a comfort, that you got that when you got saved and you don't lose that and no one else can get in there, no one else can pull you out. Okay, that's, that's your security. Um, Everything we know about God, we see that he is a God of comfort. When Jesus Christ left, he said, I'm going to send the comforter. So he's not the, he's not the God that makes things really confusing for us. He's not the God that makes us really fearful about, am I saved? Or, you know, what's, what's, is God able to keep me saved? He doesn't produce that. We can get caught up in it, but when you, when you find out the attributes of God and when you really look at that and the things that he said, he's actually a God of comfort. He gives these comforting things to us. So you, you hopefully we can take these things and comfort someone else that is just going through a little bit of an unstable time and, and knowing whether they're saved or not. And I'd say if you're ministering to anyone, you're going to come across this at some stage. You don't have to be a ministry leader or you know, a pastor or a missionary to, to, to give comfort to someone in this area. There's a lot of people who are questioning, can you lose your salvation? There's a lot of people who are thinking, I just don't feel like I'm saved. So you can just take some of these things and use that and, and help them, encourage them, comfort them with the truth of the word of God. I'm glad that I have this because I know that my mind can run off in all sorts of different directions. So working in truth is really important. So I pray that's a help, uh, a bit of a blessing, and I know it's been a help to me. So why don't we take some time to pray and then we'll hand out these prayer sheets and, and take some time to pray for one another. All right. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for this evening, Lord God. We thank you for the truth of your word. And uh, Father, that you have given it to us in uh, really for many different reasons. And, and one of those things is to comfort us and help us to understand you and uh, so we thank you that your word reveals yourself to us and helps us to know about our salvation and gives us that peace and assurance Lord God uh, that you have kept us saved that no one can pluck us out of your hand and we thank you that your promises are to be believed and to be trusted in and our uh, father I pray that you would help us as a church uh, to identify those around us who perhaps uh, are just struggling with this this idea of assurance of salvation, Lord. Help us to encourage and comfort 
and guide them through the truth of your word, Lord. I pray you would bring these things to our remembrance when these opportunities arise. And uh, Lord, we thank you that you equip us and guide us in these things. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for sealing us, Lord God. Uh, Father, we do pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.